This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. And God bless and enjoy this message. I'm so grateful that you guys are watching online with us this morning. Uh, if you haven't noticed, a little bit cold outside, right? But we're thankful, at least I'm thankful, it's warm inside the room. But I uh, just want to remind everybody, once again, because of the storm that, that we are um, facing, it's a good idea to, to uh, make sure if you don't have it, you have everything you need to uh, withstand the storm. And just know that we're here to help if you ever need anything. If you lose power, let us know, and uh, we'll do our best to, to help you. But if you notice, I'm wearing some camouflage this morning. Uh, there's a reason for it. We're going to get into that in just a minute. It's been a while since I've done an illustrated message, but I wanted to share something that the Lord has been, that, that he's laid on my heart. You know, this series that we're in is called Guarding the Gates. And uh, I hope this series has been challenging for you. It's been uplifting to me. It's been challenging to me. And um, I hope it sets us on a course to see revival in our homes. You know, I believe intentional, personal revival comes before corporate okay and i i want to see it happen in you you know we've we've talked about the heart gate we've 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 talked about that everything you do flows from the heart that's why it's important to guard the heart we have talked about the mind for the last three weeks aligning our mind an anxious mind last sunday on zoom we talked about an angered mind and how we can be angry like jesus it was really neat and i hope it challenged you and then today i want to talk about another um emotion of our mind as we kind of close out the mind gate next week we're going to get into more about words and actions but today i want to talk about an insecure mind one who lacks confidence and how if not guarded the enemy can use it to bring about pain but with a mind on guard, listen to me, the Lord has given us already the keys to have what the Bible calls a sound mind. So I want to talk about that today and how we can have a sound mind um, in this season. I want you to pray with me once again that the Lord would lead my, my words and lead, my, um, lead everything that I say that it might edify the body of Christ. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time of worship. God, we thank you for us uh, to have this chance to be in this place, albeit in the middle of a snowstorm. God, I pray that you would just work in us today, God, Lord, that you would use these words to lift people up. God, there may be somebody watching at home today that has been stressed out, that's been anxious, that's been a little bit angry, maybe even insecure at times. And God, I pray not because of what I say, but because of the truth of your word, God, that you can intervene in that situation and heal the mind in the name of Jesus. God, we, I ask you today, Lord, that you would be my mouth as I speak. Lord, do with me what you did with Moses. Be my mouth, Lord. I can't do this without you. God, open up our mind to know, our ears to hear, and our eyes to see the truth of your word today. Amen and amen. I want you to pray for us uh, 
This isn't a pre-recorded message today like some of them have been in the past. This is live and in person, and we still have to drive home after, after, after this service is over. So pray for us. We have safety on the roads. But once again, I want to thank you for joining online, and I encourage you to use the comments to engage with us. Ask questions. Write in the prayer request. Let us know that you're watching. Uh, um, but I wanted to ask a question today and kind of ask this to kind of start the sermon off. Have you ever seen something in someone else that they don't entirely see in themselves? Have you ever seen something in somebody else that maybe they don't see in themselves? And maybe they don't see it because they deal with some form of lack of confidence, a lack of inadequacy, being insecure. But, but there are people that we know somewhere, and for sure God does this, who sees in your life, okay, something that you may not see yourself. There, there was many times during this last year for me where I felt insecure in a lot of choices I had to make for the church. Uh, there, there were pastors around the state that called this church and asked advice on what they should be doing during COVID. Uh, I was asked to be on this team of seven super amazing pastors and the eighth one was me, right? Okay, so we had this team of people who were putting together a plan to get churches through COVID. I felt honored to be a part of the team, but in a sense, I felt insecure about being there. Like, what do I have to offer? And that's, that's a tactic that the enemy uses to get us off track, to get our mind off of what God wants it to be on. If I can convince them that they're not enough, or if I can convince them that, they, that they're insecure and maybe the gifts and talents that God's placed on them, then I can get in their head and I can deter the plan that God has for them. Again, I felt honored to be on the team, but part of me was like, what do I have to offer? You know, I'm a Bishop Jarvis who, who if you're watching right now, I want you to know how much you mean to me and how much I appreciate your words that when you would text me and you'd say, Pastor Chris, man, y'all are doing an absolutely uh, amazing job. So, you, you know, but, but there's times where I feel in my spirit, I feel in my mind when I'm insecure about things, I feel, do I really know what I'm doing? You know, I, I'm a first time pastor at a really great, awesome church. You know, I'm two and a half years in almost to three years now. So I feel that I have most things under wrap, but then COVID hits and it's something completely different. And then I get insecure, worried about, you know, um, uh, the, the choice I have to make. Do I cancel church? Do I have church? Do what, what do I do with my staff? Is the money going to be there? Worried about people and, and being asked for advice on what to do in other churches. And I just want to say, look, guys, I'm trying, I'm having a hard time trying to understand what to do with my own church, much let's give somebody advice for their church. But that's what insecurity does. It puts these lies inside your mind and makes you think that you can't handle it. Makes you think that you can't do it. Makes you think that, that there's somebody else better than you that can do this. So when we do that, we tend to just quit and give up and, and say, I believe the lie that I'm not enough. We had a pastor who reached out to us and said, hey, pastor, can you and Pastor Daniel show me the live stream stuff, man? What y'all are doing is, is doing awesome. I want to know how to, how to do that at my church. And, but just comments like that, the encouragement that people send, that stuff erases any self-doubt. But if you're like me and you really struggle with this from time to time, the enemy sometimes uses your success to bring about more doubt. 
And has that ever happened to you where something has been going great? The business was going great. My job was going great. And the successes you were seeing brought about more doubt in your mind. Like, well, I'm doing great now, but if I do good and it grows, am I going to be able to do good then too? And it creates doubt in your mind that am I the right man for the job? And insecurities rise and rise and rise. And, and I'm going to be transparent today. Because in, uh, being insecure is something I, I've had a long history with. I had um, really bad acne in high school. I hated wearing blue jeans. I, I thought that made me look big. And it didn't. But because I was a larger kid, I never found jeans that fit me right. They were either too big, too small, too long, too short. Never. So I, I hated the way that I looked. I, I had issues talking, so I didn't want to do any type of public speaking. I, I, I didn't like talking at all, to be quite honest. And, and then I let that play into my teaching and my ministry. So I had a tough time really trying to understand, like, can I do what God has called me to do? I could never hold a relationship for too long. And praise God, he made Megan different than everybody else because she's um, been able to, ha to, ha to handle me. But... Um, I, I felt like it was hard to make friends. I, I had a, a, this huge, you could drive a truck through, through my mouth. I had a big old gap in my teeth. The rest of my teeth were perfect, so braces weren't going to do anything. But, so I had these two teeth in the front, and I was insecure about that. So I had to get some teeth put on there. They're, um, they're, um, they're um, a fake. And I might be sharing too much with you today, but open and, and honest and transparent, that's all I know to be. But let's be honest, church. Every single one of us lacks confidence in some way. And we all deal with it differently. Some engage in their work and shut everybody else out. Some block out the world entirely and want to be left alone. Some put up walls and don't let anybody in. Some, in a weird way, when they're insecure about themselves, they overshare in an attempt to camouflage what's really going on. I think I fall into that category sometimes. Sometimes it can take the form of being a people pleaser. Always sucking up to the boss or always trying to say the right thing or always wanting to be in the good graces or, or it could be those people that are always looking for a compliment. It could be that person that's just waiting for somebody to say something nice to them. It could be the young girl with no makeup on who takes a picture of herself, posts it on Instagram and says, all natural, just keeping it real. But really deep down inside she's so insecure about the way she looks and she lacks the self-confidence that she needs that she tries to mask what's really going on. And she tries to blend in so that nobody notices her. She tries to camouflage herself in a world there have been days, church, I'll be honest, where I'll go home and, and I'll look at my wife and say, Megan, I just don't think my message connected with a single person. And that's what an insecure mindset is. We, we all have to fight that some way or another. Or, or the person who likes to just name drop, who thinks they have to one-up everybody. They're insecure in, in who they are. They're insecure in what they do. 
These, these things are just mechanisms that we use to deal with a disease that every single one of us deals with on some level or another. And it doesn't just make us feel bad. Listen, it absolutely robs us from the life that God has created us to live. Insecurity might lead you to not interview for that job. Like, what's the point? I'm not going to get it anyway. Insecurity might lead you to not enroll in school. Well, I'm not smart enough to do it. And some of us in our self-pity drown out the world with worldly things. And, and I'm not just talking about alcohol, even though some people use it to drown out the noise. For a lot of us, we do it with food. We do it with TV. We do it with video games. And, and I can tell you the way to cope is not with things of this world, but the way to deal with an insecure mindset is to have godly friends and have the word of God planted inside your heart. Insecurity is not the way to live. It's not. But these inadequacies keep us from doing the things that God knows are best for our lives. So here's the thing. If you get anything out of this message today, I want you to get this. We don't need more self-confidence. Here's what we need. We need to cultivate, and that word is intentional, right? We have to cultivate a God confidence in our life. I don't need self-confidence. I need a holy boldness. I need a God confidence because why? If I place confidence in me, Jeremiah says, my heart is deceitful. My heart lies to me all the time. Why do we ever make choices based on our emotions? Emotions lead us wrong. Someone who is led by their emotions is one who the Bible says is tossed back and forth by the wind and the Bible labels that person as unstable in all their ways. We cannot be led by emotion, but rather we must be led by a holy boldness, a God confidence in our life. Jesus said in the book of Matthew that my flesh is weak. I'm not going to put confidence in a weak flesh or Paul wrote to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 7 that my behavior is inconsistent. But look at what King David wrote in Psalm. He says, my heart, Lord, is confident in you. My heart is confident in you. No, no wonder I can sing your praises. See, our lives, church, have to flow out of a deep sense of who God is to me and who he says that I am. I cannot base what I do or what I say on what the world says about me, but I must only believe who my God in heaven says that I am. Amen. And I say truth because we have to know the truth of God's word. Truth is intentional. The reason why we need truth of, of a God confidence is because our sense of inadequacy is often rooted in what? In lies. Somewhere along the line, we believed a lie, a deception about ourselves. And the only way to, rep to replace and battle those lies is with the truth of God's word. Romans chapter 12 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect. Well, listen to what he says. He says, don't be conformed to the pattern of culture. 
Don't try to mimic what you see on TV. Don't try to dress like that, that, movie, that movie star. Don't try to say and act like the athlete. Do what God has called you to do and be who God has called you to be. He doesn't ask you to be anybody else. Live in the truth of who God is because what happens if we start believing the lies that I can't be like them or I'll never be like her or I'll never be as athletic as he is, then you'll start to believe the lie inside your mind and, and, and you'll get this poisonous mindset of insecurity that will rob you of the life that God wants you to live. So truth number one, there's only three. To cultivate a sense of God confidence. To guard your mind. To rid yourself of insecurity. For taking notes, write this down. Number one, you must know that my God is always for me. He's always for me. He's never against me. My God is always for me. Some of you grew up with a sense that God was constantly out to get me. He was trying to catch me do something wrong and smite me with his wrath. But that's not the nature of God. For those who, who are parents, do you feel that way about your children? Are you just at the edge of your seat waiting for them to do something wrong so you can yell at them? Because that's the purpose of being a parent? No. We delight over our kids. What do we do when things get tough? We engage in the hard times because we know what's best for our children. When we start to see children going the wrong way, it's because parents haven't engaged themselves into their life. And it's time that as a church, as a body of Christ, when, when we have an issue with one another and we're in conflict or we're, we're in conversation, whatever it might be, engage in the hard stuff. Why? Because people matter. Because God loves them and because I love them. And that if I turn my back on somebody, then I don't want God to turn his back on me. So we've got to love people. We've got to cherish the company. We've got to encourage each other and do life together. We engage in the tough times because they matter. We want our kids to grow up to be people who know who God is. And I'm just going to tell you, the most attractive person in the world is someone who knows who they are in Christ. Have you ever noticed that? The people that we're drawn to are the people that aren't really trying. They just know who God is and they know who they are in Christ. And, and I would even assert that being centered in who you are in Christ is the most powerful um, tool that you could have to reach somebody. Nobody's going to listen if you don't know what you're talking about or if, or if you don't believe what you're saying. But if you live out the words of God and you believe everything in your soul is true, then people will be attracted to that. You see, people understand, they have to un understand that Christ is somebody that we don't push aside or we just keep at arm's length, but we imitate. The Bible says to, to be like Christ. So when the world is going crazy, like it kind of is now, right? Who is God? He's constant. So then what should we be when things get tough, when we get insecure in our mind and, and we don't think that we're enough and we don't think that we're, we can do it? What do we have to be? We have to be constant, the root word, constantly in the word of God, pouring that word into our heart so that we can live out the life God's called us to live. What did Paul write to, to the church in Rome? Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say in response to this, these things? If God is for us, 
who can be against us? Now reread that as a question. And the second part is a question, then who can be against us? But reread the first part. It's not a question. It's a statement. If God is for us, we know God is for us. There's no doubt in my mind that God is for us. So when you quote that scripture, read it for what it is, a statement of who God is. My God is for me. And since my God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, cheering me on, thinking that I'm actually a pretty good deal, then who on earth should I be worried about? It's like it doesn't matter who's against me because I know that my God is for me. And since God loves you, I think it's accurate and safe to say that we could rephrase that question to say that if God is for you, how could you not be for you? But how many times have we looked in the mirror and didn't like the way we looked and we got insecure about our appearance? How many times have we played back the tape of listening to us talk and we didn't like the way we sounded so we started to become insecure about sharing the good news of Christ? How often did, did we do something or see something or hear somebody say something about us and we became insecure? Let me tell you something. If God is for you, which I know that he is, then how could you not be for you? One of the greatest joys I have as a parent is watching my kids play sports, Aiden plays baseball and my other two Israel and Eliza are in the gymnastics and they're all very skilled and not just because I'm their parent they 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 just are they're good at what they do and Megan and I have videos on our phone watching Aiden play and I promise you when Aiden hits the ball or makes a play in the field there is nobody in that ballpark louder than Megan is she hoops and hollers and screams and jumps up and bangs the, the, uh, the, the seats and does all these things. And what do you think Aiden does when he hears his mama cheering? Oh, they smile from ear to ear. Why? Because when somebody's encouraging you, when somebody's cheering you on, it makes the difference in the world. Or when Israel is on the pummel horse or he's on the mats doing his flips and cartwheels or he's on the bars or the rings and he does something cool and he looks up to the stands and sees Megan with her hands waved high cheering him on. I promise you it changes their mood when they see that. Their ability to play is better. Why? Because somebody was on the edge of the bleachers saying I'm with you I am for you you are not alone I see more in you than you see in yourself you've got this and when I tell you somebody is for you that means that they're with you when God says I am for you what he's really saying is child of God I'm with you whatever you face in this life whatever trial that you go through I'm telling you I'm not just for you but I'm with you amen he's with us He's with us. And God is sitting on the edge of heaven cheering you on right now. If God is for you, who can be against you? See, that's who he is. You see, we don't live our lives chasing the approval of God. We live our lives as an overflow from what we already have. Now let that sink in. Not seeking something 
but recognizing we already have the approval of God that my life will flow out of his approval. Live out Hebrews chapter 10. Watch. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who has promised is faithful. Listen. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But what's it say? Encouraging one another. He says cheer people on. You want to break the habit of insecurity in your life? Then I'm telling you, the significant other in your life, the friends in your life, hear me. If you know somebody who has a sense of insecurity about themselves, it's your responsibility. It's your obligation. It's your job to cheer them on every chance you get and not to let that doubt sink into their mind that they're not enough I'm telling you it's a poisonous mindset it's a real thing and we as a body of believers have to encourage one another amen cheer each other on cheer each other on God is for you truth number two help climb out of this hole of insecurity is to realize that my God always helps me. Not only is he for me, but he always helps me. Hebrews says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? You listening to the words of God? So here's the question. Where are you unsure? Where do you feel like you just don't have to have the tools to do this or to do that? In what areas do you feel like I really need some help? Our God will help you. One of the most amazing things about this last season, as many challenges as it brought, is it has brought relationships to the forefront. Relationships became more important because we didn't need to be alone. And to hear the stories of people meeting Christ when they weren't even inside the the building we were the church neighbors were helping neighbors people going shopping for the elderly passing out boxes of food to the community cutting down trees after the ice storm listen when we need the most God doesn't just send a little bit of what we need he always tends to send exactly what we need right when we need it. And I tell you the reason why I mention all those things today is that what he's done before, the Bible says he can do it again. And so all the marriages, all the relationships that were restored this past year, all the miracles that took place this past year, guess what? It doesn't mean that's where God's power ends. It means that that's just the beginning. That the mountain of debt that you paid off this past year isn't where the story ends. Because if God can do it once, he can do it twice. And if he can get into our insecure mind that my God is working for me and that he's always helping me, then we'll also understand that he doesn't just do it once, but he's there to do it twice and three and four. But let me tell you something. Your miracle, what happened to you, might be the avenue through which somebody else receives theirs. Why? Because God uses people. That's what he does. When the potter makes the clay pot, when it's done and complete, does the pot go and just sit on a shelf 
to not be used again? Or does the potter use the completed pot to pour water into other pots? Let me tell you something. Somebody else's miracle may, may be waiting on you to obey God. I've got this bill that's got to get paid. Wasn't expecting it. Lost hours in my job. Don't know what to do. Can't make it. And then the person over here is like, man, we got that extra check we weren't expecting from the government. Man, we're doing great. Let's, let's go buy a big, nice boat. And God's saying, you know what? I have blessed you, so bless others. Somebody else's miracle may be waiting on your obedience. Our God is ready to stand by and help us. It's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. And let's be honest, some of you are having challenging times right now. You're going to look back a year from now, two years from now, and you'll see what God's been doing this whole time. And, and that he was working away things in you that you thought he might, but you couldn't see in the season. But it was years later when you could see what he's actually doing. One of my choir directors at Lee, Dr. Walt Malden, he means the world to me. I, I really do think a lot of him. And he listened to one of the online lessons a couple Wednesday nights ago and he even commented on the feed and and let me let me tell you something just to know that he was present just to know that he was there it was more than than he could ever imagine I, it meant so much to me there's something about presence that changes the atmosphere of your life as a matter of fact David wrote in Psalm listen to what he said God is our refuge and our strength and ever present help in trouble. He's present. God is present in your situation. When you don't see that he's working, he's working. When you don't think that he's working, he's working. Let me tell you something. He is present. You want to know how to guard your mind and keep insecurity at bay? You want to know how to keep yourself from losing self-confidence and to build a confidence? You have to know that He, our Lord Jesus Christ, is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Lastly, not only is He for you, not only is He there present to help you, but number three, my God is still working on me. He's still working. Now, what's that mean to me, pastor? It means that I get to take the pressure off myself of being perfect. Insecurity comes when I feel like I can't be who I know I should be. Insecurity arises when I feel I have to be perfect when I know I can't. Insecurity arises when I put more pressure on myself to, to succeed than I should. So guess what? I get to lay that aside and say God is still working. 
He's not done yet. And as long as I have breath, God's still working. Now, that's not a get out of jail you know, card that you could do anything you want to in life and just ask for God to, to, um, to work on, on you. No, it's saying that every day I will strive to do my best. I will continue to learn. I'll be who God has called me to be. And when I mess up, I'm not going to get so down on myself and say that I won't ever make it. But when I mess up and when I get down, I'll say, yes, God, I know you're still working in me. You You've given me grace, Lord. God, I thank you so much for for accepting me, God, just the way that I am and not expecting any more out of me. You're still working in me. Does anybody get a little bit upset or angry that you still deal with things today that you... Um, that, that, that you are like you've, you've tried and tried and tried to get past this feeling of, of insecurity. You've tried your best to get past this feeling of lack of self And it might be a sin. It might be something else within your life. And, and you you just struggle. I thought I beat this, but some reason I still get back to it. Let me encourage you today. God is still working and he's not done with you. He never will, 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 will be. Listen to what Paul said. He said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Break that down a minute. Being confident of this, that it was God who began a good work who will at one point carry it to completion When? When Jesus comes. He's not done with you. You're still a work in progress. So get it out of your head that you have to be perfect. Should you set goals? Absolutely. Should you raise the bar high? Absolutely you should. But let me tell you something. Not at the expense of making you feel like you're not worth it anymore. God is still working. That's why Paul said until the day of Christ Jesus because we're not done or complete until we're in heaven and until that day he's still working in me. So what's my word to you today? Be patient with yourself because God's patient with you. But we battle with our mind that I have to be this and I have to be at that and I have to get the house clean and I have to have the dishes washed and I have to get to the store. Clothes have to get done. I've got to get that done. I've got this long laundry list of things I have to do. Yes, all of those things are important, but don't beat yourself up if it all doesn't get done at once. Well, I've got to be debt free by 25, Pastor. I have to be married by 26. I have to have a kid by 28. Listen, stop. Stop doing that to yourself because this, if we don't meet that high expectation, that poisonous mindset gets in and then we start to just really think that we're not good enough and there's something wrong with me and I won't ever be able to make it. Look, there's nothing wrong with goals. Set your goals, but don't set them at the expense of losing who you are. We have to get rid of this insecure mindset. We must rid ourselves of offense and angst towards people. We have to rid ourselves of a poisonous mindset that can damage the perception of who you think you are. Let me tell you something. You are a child of God. You're a child of God. But you still deal with self-doubts. God's not done with you. You still deal with insecure mind. God's not done with you.
I still have unhealed hurts. God's still working. Maybe it's a nagging habit you can't overcome. God's not done. You've been neglecting his word. God's not done with you. He's not done with you. Here's the thing. And this is why the truth is so critical for us. Because if we continue to live our lives fueled by this sense of I am not good enough, that God made a mistake when he made me, it will render you completely useless to him. But, but yet the Bible says God has purpose for my life. Yes, absolutely he does. And that purpose is only as powerful as you living out of the truth of God's word. Many of you know my story. I wore this today because for a lot of my life, I wanted to just blend in. I wanted to camouflage. I, I didn't want to be up front. I hated talking. I tried everything I could to find a career where I didn't have to talk. I was afraid I couldn't be who God has, would, had made me to me because there were times when my speech wouldn't operate correctly. And, but this is probably the area where God has done a mountain-moving miracle in me. And that's why every sermon that I preach, I, I say, Lord, do in me what you told Moses. Be my mouth as I speak. But I'm just going to tell you today, there's still days where I struggle with some low-level inadequacy and insecurity. But God has transformed me in that area because I lived the first part of my life until I was however many years old telling God that I'd never preach. Won't do it. But one day I said, God, I just want to be free. So I was at Lee University at a choir practice and we had rehearsal and then afterwards there was a time of prayer and I prayed that God would heal my speech and as clear as day I heard the Lord speak and say no what? you're the healer you heal remember sometimes God's answer is no So I said, why, God? Why won't you heal my speech? He said, because you won't need to trust me if I do. Your imperfection, Chris, makes you whole. Just trust me and I'll take you where you need to go. And I think somebody needed to hear that today. You don't have to blend in. You don't have to camouflage with your surroundings. You were meant to be set apart. Don't allow insecurity in your mind to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. God will use your story to help somebody. Your imperfection is what makes you whole. See what the enemy does is he creates self-doubt. He creates anxiety, tension, insecurity because he knows if I can get their mind off of what's right, and to focus on what's wrong then I can get them to walk away from their calling he comes to steal to kill and to destroy but my God came to give life to make you free so which one do you want a mind that's clouded with doubt or a mind that's free
And you may be at the bottom of all the bottoms right now, dealing with every attack of the enemy, but your circumstance won't define who you are. And what I want to happen is I want for just a moment right now, right where you are in your living room, I want you to realize that you are enough. The Bible says you're more than an overcomer by the word of the Lamb and the words of your story, your testimony, and you're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out that the promises of God are yes and amen for those that are in Christ Jesus, that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places for you are co-heir of everything God created. That's who He is. He's way maker. He's miracle worker. He's promise keeper. And I want you to feel that today. That you don't have to be insecure in your mind. But God has called you to live free. So today, right where you are, you say, Pastor, I deal with insecurity. I deal with lack of self-confidence. It's a battle in my mind every single day. And I'm tired of it and I want to live free. Right in your living room, would you slip your hand up? Would you signify to God that you want me to pray with you? If you're comfortable with it, would you share it in our chat? That yes, pastor, please pray for me. I struggle with it too. And I want to pray with you today. Wherever you are, right now, worship. Because worship is warfare. When you declare in the context of God's people who He is and who He says we are, I believe there could be a mountain-moving mo mountain moment for you. Declare that I am who God says that I am. It's a promise. So what would Jesus say for those that deal with insecure hearts, insecure minds? I believe God would say these three things. I am for you. I will help you. And I'm still working on you.